Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back to the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo, and what you don't know is this is my third take, and I'm almost ready to do this in Roy Kent. If you don't know who Roy Kent is, I suggest that you go look up some Ted Lasso, and you will understand what I mean. But I'm also joined by Harley Schultz to help ground me and not let me get to that point. Harley, how's it going? Well, you know, you you talk about being grounded. I was uh, grounded myself tonight with some ground beef. I just uh, finished a nice big double cheeseburger from the fine folks at Station Number Six Food Truck. Uh, they do a version of the McDowell for fans of the Coming to America series. They'll be familiar with that. Uh, the McDowell is a very, very large double cheeseburger, and I managed to finish the entire thing, so I feel pretty darn good tonight. Yeah, after we did had to do the second take, I said something about doing a double take, and you said you just had a double cheeseburger, and I said doubles are good. And then we had to do a triple take, so I'm on the triple. But I can't help but say that when you said about the double take and then the double cheeseburger, it made me think of Dilly Dilly, which is a double-double in a sense, right? The guy, I just realized this. My wife realized this the other night. I don't know if you're watching it, but we're watching Dope Sick on Hulu. And one of the prosecutors or one of the guys in the attorney general's office is the guy, the king, from the Dilly Dilly commercials. Did not realize that whatsoever. And... He's also the guy that's in the new Chevy commercial with the cat. And he says, what's so special about the cat? Dude's everywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dude's everywhere. So, so you're, you're talking, me taking two double takes, which wound up being a triple, and you talking about double cheeseburgers, maybe think Dilly Dilly and that talk we had the other night. So that's how we get to Dope Sick on well, the Blitz podcast. Original fans of our show will also remember back when we used to do a segment on beer. Yes, <clears throat> tapped in. There was actually a brewery here in town, uh, Fulton Brewing Company. They're actually uh, their product is available all across the country now. But uh, when they first originated, they had a taproom only beer uh, that they called Dilly Dilly. They released it for the uh, for the Super uh, before the Super Bowl uh, when the Super Bowl was played here a couple of years ago. And someone uh, at Anheuser Busch found out about this and showed up in full scribes gear with a roll down scroll. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it wasn't it wasn't Fulton beer, it was a uh, modest bring, modest bring in Minneapolis. They showed up uh, in full scribes gear with a roll down scroll decree, uh, basically a cease and desist for them, <laughs> uh, which they were kind enough to then give them the scroll to keep as a souvenir and in exchange for not releasing the beer during the Super Bowl. Anheuser-Busch gave the folks at Modest a series of tickets for the Super Bowl, which then they auctioned off for a good cause here in the Twin Cities. That sounds like a win-win, a dilly-dilly. For exactly. So. It was actually a good beer, too. Well, that's good. You know what else is good? <coughs> no, I stumped you. You don't know what else is good. I, I have no clue what else is good other than, uh, again, like I said, some good beer and some good burger. What else is good is throwing it over to Harley Schultz for this week's Blitz Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. 
Aaron Rodgers missed last week's game and started a social media firestorm over his testing positive for COVID-19. This got blown up so big that even NBC's Saturday Night Live decided to take a shot at Rodgers with a sketch this past weekend. Regardless of how you feel about Rodgers, I guess we can all thank Lorne Michaels for nixing the idea of doing a companion sketch making fun of Henry Ruggs driving 150 miles per hour at twice the legal drinking limit and killing someone. Um, no laugh tracks there. San Francisco activated Jeff Wilson Jr. off of the season-long IR prior to Sunday's game with Arizona. However, Wilson did not play even one snap. Based upon this usage, we can confidently extrapolate that Eli Mitchell will be a healthy scratch next week. <laughs> After missing several games with a broken finger, Russell Wilson has been fully cleared to play for the Seahawks by Dr. Stephen Shin. Now, I only wish that Dr. Shin could also treat Antonio Gibson of the Washington football team so that I could properly report that Dr. Shin healed a shinjury. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes had another subpar game on Sunday as Packers youngster Jordan Love actually posted a stronger stat line. The BPN News team has been investigating Mahomes' recent struggles, and we have found out the reason he hasn't been himself lately is because he hasn't been himself lately. Apparently, after shooting in the State Farm commercial with Chiefs superfan Paul Rudd, Rudd went full misery on the situation and locked Mahomes in a room while taking a spot in the Chiefs' active lineup. <laughs> and finally... At least for one week, we can clearly state that Josh Allen is in fact better than Josh Allen. This has been your BPN News Update. You had to kind of get that one in there. I mean, everybody's talking about that, right? Josh Allen intercepts Josh Allen, sacks Josh Allen, Josh Allen recovers Josh Allen's fumble. Um, it really would have been good if Josh Allen fumbled, Josh Allen recovered it, and then Josh Allen calls Josh Allen the fumble, and Josh Allen got his fumble back. I think we just reached inception. Maybe. So I, I just have to say, I got to rewind to your very first, which would normally be laugh track. I don't know if I can put a laugh track in there on the rugs thing. No, that, that was uh, just the thing. It's like, it, it really, it seemed like, I, I don't see why they even bothered with the Aaron Rodgers thing. I mean, obviously people are talking about it, but again, it, it kind of shows that SNL is pretty much lost most of its humor over the last few years. So for me, like, yes, I understand there's the Aaron Rodgers and Cole Beasley's and et cetera's of the world, right? I'm vaccinated. I wish more people would get vaccinated. Think of me what you may with that. And I understand the whole my body, my choice if you choose not to do it. My biggest problem with Aaron, though, was he pretty much outright, if you don't want to say he didn't lie, he manipulated his response because he didn't want to take ownership possibly to take the, the blowback that would have come with it. That's my biggest issue with him. Well, I think it would be interesting too, to see how his reaction would have been within the city of green Bay, within, within the state of Wisconsin and football in general there, where he's very much idolized and a God, even though he's had contract negotiation issues the last couple of years with them, obviously here in Minnesota, uh, there was a lot of negative PR and publicity around Kirk Cousins uh, choosing to not get vaccinated uh, for personal reasons. Right. But when you look at from the standpoint of Minnesota fans, 
most Minnesota fans don't like Kirk Cousins here and don't like his contract and wish he would leave. So that's <laughs> obviously a little bit different reaction. Yeah, but but I still I have I have more respect for the fact that Kirk stood up and said I'm not doing it for this reason. Same with crazy Cole Beasley because he is a little bit crazy. Um, but anyway, you know, and Kyrie, anybody that doesn't want to do it, they they have that choice and they stood their ground and said why. We don't have to agree with it, but they're saying why. I, I just in a day and age where to me accountability and integrity see you know just really seems to set people apart for somebody of Aaron Rodgers stature to just blatantly basically lied and, and try to manipulate the media with his answer of I'm immunized um I kind of half wish we could rewind and wonder what would have happened if somebody had said which shot did you get he may have responded with Jameson that's possible or none of your business um, but in any event, that's, uh, that's Wisconsin probably like uh, some cheaper whiskey than that. Yeah, or just cheese. Ooh, cheese shot. That sounds good. There you go. All right, so let's get off the vaccination status. You know, <laughs> and it's trust me, it's not about that. It's about the fact that he was just dishonest. That's the part I didn't like. Okay. Um, yeah. But we're all dishonest to ourselves when we don't start the right people. When we have that fight internally about should we start this guy or not start this guy, right? Um, Maybe that's not a good way of putting it. I don't know. That's a pretty bad segue, but we're going to go with it. So what we're going to do tonight is, of course, our normal DFS site, DFS segment. And we're going to do a segment on flexing. Not the Arnold Schwarzenegger type flexing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah not, not, not the Arnold Schwarzenegger type flexing. Not the, what was that, the skit on SNL many years ago? Oh. Hans and Franz. Hans and Franz. We're, we're going not, to we're pump not, you up. Yes, we're not going to pump you up like that. Um, but we are going to talk about flexing. And you know what? This talk's good because it'll work for both Redraft and Dynasty and DFS. Yeah, I mean, realistically, uh, I think we're both at the uh, day and age where when we talk about flexing, it usually is because I'm talking about flexing like some sweatpants because I'm afraid like my leg is going to crack if I do too much. <laughs> oh, I'm there with you, my man. I am there with you. I just took two 650 milligram acetaminophens before the show. So, well, I was going to say, I, I typically need like four or five shots of whiskey before uh, doing any sort of workout. So I understand the problem. Yeah. I'm going to need them before and after pretty soon. So I'll let you go. Do you want to start with flexing or do you want to start with DFS this week? Let's start with flexing. Okay. So, for those that may have not tuned in last week or even maybe one of the other weeks prior, Harley likes to throw in that he likes to do double tight end. And uh, that's not a sexual position or anything like that, but it sure sounds like it. It's but true. No, no, it's not. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's usually when we're talking the DFS segment. And, and I know over the years I've said I just don't like tight ends in my flex spot. So I decided to pull some numbers and, and go from there. So let's start with, Look, both of us get a lot of questions on Twitter. Who do I start, right? Yeah. Some, sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's easy. They give you one or two names, and you're like, okay, that's easy. Sometimes they give you like six names, right? Need two, and they give you six people. Or I need one, and they give you six different people. There's two running backs and three wide receivers and a couple tight ends and who knows what else. How do you, what's your process for getting to that answer for them? Well, uh, a lot of times I really wish when someone comes to me with a question like that, they would tell me what the scoring is for their league. Because a lot of times scoring in general can be a deciding factor in, in figuring out the flex position plays. But for the most part, I tend to lean in favor of the running back position. 
uh, particularly if it's someone that is a st- uh, like a lower tier starting running back versus a middle tier wide receiver or mid tier tight end. Uh, when you're talking about a redraft type of format or even a dynasty where you're doing a head-to-head game for a particular week uh, versus DFS, obviously, which we'll talk about a little bit later, different format style. But so when I'm looking at from a – someone says, okay, well, I've got two running backs to choose from and two receivers, and I need to start one running back, one wide receiver, and one flex. 90% of the time, I'll err on the side of the two running backs and my favorite play of the two receivers instead of looking at the second receiver. Okay. So one of the things that's almost always missing when we do this is context. We usually don't know who they're facing, right? And I'm yes. sorry, I'm a big guy on chemistry and understanding that kind of stuff there. And by that, what I mean is knowing if you need to go big or, or go solid or go safe, right, because of who you're playing. Are you playing the league leader in points scored and you really got you can't miss on anything and need all the upside you can get? Or you're playing a, a seller dweller and you just need nice safe points and you'll pull out a win safely and easily. You don't need to take any risks. So we usually don't have that. But I kind of do something similar. I'll look at matchups and the matchups I like. And then if I'm at a spot where let's just say it's running back wide receiver and I don't like I don't see anything that differs the two matchups and they're very close I will usually tend to say running back is safer with a floor because they're going to touch the ball more but your wide receiver is going to give you a higher ceiling and a better chance for a huge game and that's how I would usually say so if it's me and you want the biggest bang for your buck, I'm going to take the wide receiver. And that's almost always how I'll do it. It's wide receiver, running back, tight end for me. Yeah, and it, again, it's obviously it's different based on your league's scoring, but it, in most leagues nowadays, and there, obviously there are some uh, leagues that stay grounded to historical norms and haven't added such like 1990s ideas like PPR <laughs> to their format yet. So... Uh, for those leagues, obviously, they're going to probably be more heavily lent towards the running back position, too. But when you start factoring point per reception, half point per reception, uh, tight end premium into factors, again, all those opportunities for more potential points for a position that may be a little bit deeper. Again, if, if you're looking at then saying, okay, well, do you choose the wide receiver 36 overall? or the running back 36 overall, then I'm probably leaning to the wide receiver. Understood. So here's what I did. Since we're nine weeks in, I know we got one game left, but I figured I'll treat all nine games like it's a full, I mean, all all the games up to this point as a full week. So I extrapolated it out to equate to a 16-game season, okay, Mm -hmm. across all three positions. And then I also pulled numbers for 2020 and 2019. And I used... 10 plus, 15 plus, 20 plus, 25 plus, and 30 plus points per in a game, okay? Okay. So this year, on average, what we're looking at is for the season, we'll see 476 instances where a running back scores 10 plus points in a week. At the wide receiver spot, it's 725. Care to guess what it is at tight end? 70. 212. Higher than than I would have thought, honestly. So, that's 10 plus. Let's go all the way to the top of the range. At 30 plus points, your running backs, 23 
should be the number that will hit this year. 23 running backs will score 30 or more points in a, in a game. Wide receiver, 44. Tight end, 2. <laughs> 25 plus points. Now this is going to encompass the 30 rolls into this because that's 25 plus, right? Yes. Running back, 59. Wide receiver, 87. Tight end, 16. 20 plus points. Running back, 139. Wide receiver, 197. Tight end, 34. And 17 of those were Travis Kelsey last year. Very much possibility. <laughs> 15 plus points. Running back, 286. Wide receiver, 200. I'm sorry, 398. Tight end, 89. Now, I'm going to roll back and we're going to give you the, I'm going to try and get you to guess the average per week for each of these, okay? Okay. Over the three-year period. How many running backs on average on a weekly basis score 30 or more points? Average per week, I would say four. It is two. How many wide receivers do that? I'll say three. That is the answer, three. And I rounded, so it is three. At tight end, go for it. And you have to use fractions. <laughs> Point 0.8. Point 0.2. Oh, wow, that bad. Yes. I, th I, I would say that just Travis Kelsey alone should have altered that. I mean, between 2019 Darren Waller and 2020 Travis Kelsey – that so was basically one per week. Two, four, and three. No, that's what it was. 30-plus points, and this is one point per reception, um, point one yards, point one points per yard. So it's basically one point for every 10 yards, and, and a catch is a point. So And then six points per touchdown, .04 yards per passing if they happen to throw the ball, stuff like that. All right. On average, 25-plus points by a running back on a weekly basis. How many? 25 plus. I'm going to say six. Four is the number. How about wide receiver? Eight. Six. And I guess I should have clarified this earlier. This is using 16 weeks. I did not include week 17 from 2019 or 20. So I only extrapolated this year out 16 weeks also. Okay. Tight end. Go for tight end. Uh, well, we're at point two. So I'm going to jump up to. Point six. Nope, this is where you get your one a, one a week. 25 plus. Okay. So you're right. Probably between Kelsey and Waller one week, one or the other was getting there, right? Yes, over the last two years in particular, you had one week for each of them pretty much. Yeah, um, 2020 was 12 and 2019 was 15. Um, okay, 20 plus points per week. How many running backs do that on average? Well, based on what I've seen so far this year, that, that number's going to be a little bit higher. I'm going to say 10. It's 8. Let's move to the wide receiver spot. Well, so far the trend I've been seeing is that each stage it's going up two more players. So I will say 10 also at wide receiver. 12. You tricked me. I did. <laughs> Actually, the running back has gone 2, 4, 8, so it's doubled each time. Um, the wide receiver position actually has done the same. 3, 6, 12. Doubled each time. Pay attention. Okay, tight end, 20-plus points. I don't think it's much in increased because there's really only been, like I said, two, maybe three tight ends 
most of the season that has been capable of producing 20 points regularly. So I'm going to say 1.4. It is three. And in 2020, it was 41. 2019, it was 46. 2021, this year, we're only on pace for 34. So it's been a lot more suck this year. Well, when you look at the tight end list for tonight's DFS, for, the tights, <laughs> yes. for this week's DFS, you'll agree with that statement. Absolutely. Okay, so we only got <coughs> two more to go. 15-plus points running backs on, an av- on a week per, per, bit, per average basis. How many? Okay, this is going to jump tremendously because 15-plus in a PPR format, uh, most weeks I would say that any featured back is going to always reach that. And then you're going to have four or five uh PPR backs, they'll get to that point. So you're looking at probably around 20. 17. So your 20 is not too far off. But if you'd have followed the doubling, you'd have been real close because 2, 4, 8, 16, right? 17. Yes. Okay, so now wide receiver. Now for wide receiver, uh, obviously more touchdowns thrown through the air each week than on the ground. So... You're looking at seven points right there. Most of those will also result in that player getting, I think you got 32 teams. Most teams are going to score at least one, if not two touchdowns through the air. So I'm going to say, I'm not going to go with the doubling this, this time. I'm going to go with 50. No, it's not 50. You'd have been better off cutting that in half and going with the doubling. Three, six, 12, 25. Only 25 wide receivers averaged on average 15 points. 15 points a game over the past 48 games, basically. Oh, wow. Yep. And the tight end position? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to avoid the doubling, so that's the obvious answer. And I'm going to look at things from a standpoint of who I think would get 15 points in a given week. I could see five typically getting it in a given week, so I'm going to go with six. I'm going to go one higher than that. Six is the double because it was three, and six is correct. It's an interesting trend. It is. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I didn't notice that trend until we just started talking about it. All right, here's our last one. Um, I already gave you totals for this year for these positions, but we didn't talk averages. So 10-plus points on average at the running back spot. Uh, 10 points is really, really easy to occur. Uh, I mean, most starting running backs will get 10 points in a given week. And I'd say probably a third of all teams will have a secondary running back who has a chance at that in most weeks. So I'm going to say 35. You're off. It's 29. Um, 35 would have put you close to the double, though. 17 would have taken you to 34. So, um, nope, 29, believe it or not. 476, 452, and 464. That's how many times it's happened each of the last three years. Wide receiver position. How many wide receivers on average in a week? In a week, score 10 or more points. Well, every team always has at least one receiver hit 10 or more, except for maybe the Baltimore Ravens and the New York Jets. So we're going to go with 30 right away for that. Plus, uh, I would say half the teams have a wide receiver, two that's capable of producing 10 points on a regular basis. So it's another 16. We're at 46 at that point. And I'm going to say that there's usually one or two teams that has a wide receiver three hit that. So for a safe estimate, I'm going to go with 50. 50 would be the double, but it would be wrong. It's 44. And that number is driven down by 2019 when it was only 665 versus 721 and 725 for last year and this year. So just out of curiosity, let's do a little quick math here. How's that? And let's take old 725 plus... 
721 and divide that by 2 and divide that by 16 and you get 45 so it's still not not really close to that 50 number um, but it is tight end spot buddy how many tight ends on a weekly basis are scoring 10 or more points I think that this number is going to be a little bit higher uh, because there's always three or four tight ends that just kind of sneak in. And again, anytime you have a tight end, this this kind of rolls into DFS and double tight end strategy is a lot of these cheap tight ends, all they need is a touchdown to reach six points and give them that one reception that's a seventh point. And sometimes it's usually like eight to ten yards, so it's probably another point. You're very close to ten points already just on one catch. So... I'm going to say that number is close to 30. It is not. If it was 30, it'd be more than the running backs. It is 13. Yeah, I, that that just doesn't seem right for the tight ends. But it is because I did the math. Um, <laughs> you can feel free to go double-check me if you want. But it's No, no, I, I believe you. I, I'm, I'm picturing in my head the, the number of times we've seen a guy like Lee Smith catch two passes yep. or two touchdowns and six yards total or something like that. I mean, we had a couple cases of that already this year. Juwan Johnson, week one, for example, uh, where, I mean, those sort of numbers just happen. Jeff Swaim. I mean, Jeff Swaim top 10 points this week. No one started Jeff Swaim. So, Jeff Swaim's mom didn't start Jeff Swaim this week. Jeff Swaim didn't start <laughs> Jeff Swaim this week. Jeff Swaim probably did, no. So just as an Jeff example. Jeff Swaim started Michael Pruitt this week. So <laughs> just as an example, this week – only 11 tight ends finished with 10 or more points. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, we, again, when you're talking about the fact that last there's... week, last week, 11. There, there isn't, there isn't 32 teams playing every given week. But when you take the that's thing that true. I never factored into these, that's true. Was bye weeks and absences that, that should have been factored into my thing. I was thinking based on all 32 teams playing any given week. So, right. Week seven, there was four. There was um, fourteen, so that was a good week. Yep. Um, week six, let's just look at week six for the heck of it. Week six was a was a really good week. Sixteen. Um, we got to have a thin week here somewhere pretty soon. I'm guessing. Yeah, ten in week five, and wow, week four was a good week. Fifteen. Let's see. Week three, 14. Week two, 11. And week one was 17. But you can see it's you're still not getting many weeks where you're past that total of 12 starters. Yep, yep. Now, that said, it might be easier to pick a heavy hitter in DFS, right? Yeah, and I, I think as far as the, when, when I talk about double tight end too, I, I should be very clear in the fact that when I'm looking at that as a strategy, I'm looking at that more as a strategy on FanBall and on DraftKings rather than FanDuel. Uh, FanDuel typically, well, well, their salary for their millionaire maker events is larger, to, the, the pool to choose from. The base price for your for your lowest end tight ends is in the $4,500 to $5,000 range, which isn't that much different from the top price guys. It may be a difference of 2000 or so between the guys like your Dalton Schultz's, your Tyler Higbee's, Kyle Pitts's, and maybe 3000 or so with guys like Waller and Kelsey. 
So it, that sounds like a lot, but it really isn't. When you think about what you look at DraftKings, for example, where your top-priced tight ends are in the uh, six to 7000 and sometimes even higher ranges, but then you can find bargain basement tight ends for as low as $2,400, $2,500. And again, hitting on one of those guys at that price range, if they hit a touchdown, again, as we say, that's, that's at least seven points, usually probably closer to eight or nine points just in and of itself, which is an instant three, time, three times value. Right. I just see it as risky, though, when the odds are there aren't a lot of people doing it. Um, and when you look at the averages, you're probably looking at about a 30 to 40 percent increase in your odds of having a better day from a wide receiver than a running back. And that is true. And exponentially better than a tight end. Well, again, though, it all comes down to uh, if, if you're talking about from a redraft standpoint or dynasty standpoint, I 100 percent agree with you on that. But from a uh, from a DFS standpoint. I think you're going to have a hard time talking me down off the ledge in these uh, two tight end lineups because they are kind of fun, if nothing else. Well, you know what they say. It's sometimes it takes hey. a little bit to learn. <clears throat> uh, I mean, two tight end lineups are what allow teams to put together rosters that have, uh, well, you know, it's a tough year to say this, but say last year having a lineup that had Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry in it one week when right. both of them had salaries right around ten grand on DraftKings. The other thing I think that, that also you have to factor in when you're doing it from a DFS standpoint is roster diversity. And by that, what I mean is the odds of somebody having the same exact roster as you when you go to two tight ends probably drops down substantially to a very small percentage. Yeah, and I think that uh, when I first got started in Daily Fantasy uh, nine or ten years ago, I was immediately drawn to the idea of playing a third running back in that flex spot just automatically. Again, because like I said, it's it's the perception, uh, again, even, even outside of PPR formats, it's a perception that everyone's grown up with. And I've been playing football now, uh, football, I've been playing fantasy football now for nearly 30 years. And during that time, you really, you, you, you get accustomed to, well, the running backs are, are the goal. They're, they're the ones that pay you the money in the end. So you kind of go with that. But again, as you... Uh, get more and more accustomed to what is a successful strategy, you find that you, you can't afford to have all the players you want in your lineup if, if you're going to put a third running back in a lot of times. True. I mean, and if anything that's easy to know is it's become a passing league, right? So seeing those numbers for wide receivers over, and there's you know one back, two backs that, that are touching the ball any for any consequence for teams, right? But you'll see three to five wide receivers on the field easily, right? And yeah, and well, again, uh, using DFS as an example, n know the rules to the scoring too. Yeah, and sites like DraftKings and FanBall both have full point PPR for, I mean, depending on who, doesn't matter who receives the pass. If it's a running back catches, if it's ten that catches, if it's wide receiver catches, they'll get a full point per reception. Whereas FanDuel, you only get half a point per reception, so uh, you get less value than in a guy like a JD McKissick, uh, who is a very very decent running back when given the chance to carry the ball too, but who is better served as the change of pace pass catching option for the Washington and, football team. And here's the thing, JD McKissick, even as a active pass catching back, what does he have to do to get to 13 fantasy points in a full PPR versus Donovan people Jones, who catches a 60 yard bomb one play. Yeah. 
Seven, six points for the yardage, one for the catch, seven, six for the touchdown, 13 points, one play. And that, I think, is what really pushes those wide receivers up and why I say that you do have a much lower floor because if he it goes off his fingertips and he doesn't know anything else all game, guess what? There's your, your goose egg, and he was a fingertip catch away from a 13-point game versus your running back that, okay, maybe J.D. McKissick does have three catches for 37 yards and runs the ball three times for 15 yards. At least he's getting you five, six points. That's not what you want from that position, but that's the difference in my mind. Well, well, please tell me that you're in agreement with me that sooner or later someone's going to have to come up with a fantasy format where we get points for pass interference calls generated on offense. I've thought that for years. For years I've said <clears throat> that, yes. Because there's so many times where it's like your, your guy goes up and he gets a, a 50-yard pass interference call. Again, we, we can argue that maybe pass interference penalties shouldn't be spot fouls, and that, that's a whole other story altogether. But uh, it, it's, it's just it's, uh, it's frustrating sometimes when you see that happen. It's like, no, no, if you didn't grab the guy and throw him to the ground, he catches a 50-yard pass there. That just killed me. Yep. <laughs> Maybe they should do kind of like challenges where, okay, going forward, there will be pass interference is, first of all, you've got defensive holding, right, illegal touching. That's five yards automatic first down. Make pass interference 15 yards. However, give a coach two per half or three per half, maybe two per half, one per half, I don't know, where you can say, I want it as a spot foul. Hmm. Well, as a, uh, as a guy who does official scoring for high school, uh, <laughs> I say keeping the rules as easy as possible for us to interpret as official scorers, I'd like to see uh, that be standardized throughout, but uh, certainly the NFL has uh, yeah. a few more veterans that can pop, probably deal with that. Yeah, that's true. <coughs> All right, so that's it. That's our take on, at least my take on the flex spot and trying to get well, and, to and most importantly, when talking the flex spot, always remember, have the flex spot whenever possible. Among the players you're choosing to start, have that always be the person starting the latest so that you can make a sub out if something happens. That's a very good point. Very, very good point. And what I was getting ready to say was, so that's my stance on the flex spot, and hopefully I get Harley to not rely so much on double tight end. <laughs> hey, wait till you see some of my fan ball lineups this week. I'm going to have triple tight end rolling in there. Well, talking about fan ball lineups and triple tight ends and, and I don't know, whatever, the wishbone and all that kind of stuff and RPOs. Wing T. Wing T. Um, double wing T. How's that? <laughs> Let's go ahead oh. and roll into four, four our, men in the backfield all moving at once. There you go. And in different <laughs> directions. Um, yes. Let's go ahead and move into our DFS segment. Uh, for those that are new, Harley's going to set an over-under on how many <coughs> we're going to agree on. We do not discuss our thoughts on DFS players prior to live and doing it right on the show right now. So, Harley, let her rip. You know, I have a hard time believing we're going to match on anyone at wide receiver. Uh, tight end, we'll probably have a few matches. I think we're going to have a few matches at quarterback. I'm not so sure about running back. So I'm going to keep it low this week and set the line at five. Five's not low. Five's not low. Five's not low. Um, I was hoping you were going to say three. And Compared I'm- to seven last week, five is low. <laughs> True. I was hoping you were, set, you were aiming for that three or four range. I might have taken the over. Five. One, two. I'm going to be brazen. I'm going to take the over this week. Okay, I think we're we're going to lose it as soon as we get wide receiver. But uh, we have to we have to do really good here at quarterback. I think to to break the over on the five. I agree. So, who are you paying up for? 
at the quarterback spot? Quarterback was it, it was kind of a crapshoot for me too because I was looking at all of the top price guys, and, and much like some weeks, it, there's just a lot of guys with decent matchups this week. Yeah, uh, but there's some that just like as long as I don't love that, I don't love that. And I just kept bouncing around a little bit, bouncing around a little bit. I I, just, I settled on the guy who's coming off of a buy. Yeah, uh, and that's Tom Brady. Uh, unfortunately for him, he's not. Uh, we don't know yet if he's going to have Rob Gronkowski or Antonio Brown for this game. But I don't think you'll need them to beat a Washington defense that's allowed a league second high 20 passing touchdowns, uh, 18 of which, by the way, have come in their last six games. We have a match to start off, so that's a good spot to be in. Yeah, I, I really kind of wanted to do Josh Allen. I, I thought that this kind of get-right game for him. And, and a lot's been said the last couple of weeks about how the Jets are kind of a run-funnel defense. But their pass defense hasn't been that good for about three or four weeks now. So that storyline has kind of been put to rest, I think. <laughs> yeah, and, and Washington, first there's a couple things for me. Like you said, he's coming off a bye. They're coming off a loss, right? Yes. Um, it's on the road, so that's a little ding. But it's the Washington Redskins. They're giving up <clears throat> almost 10% more fantasy points to the quarterback position than any other team. Yeah, and I, I mean, again, I also looked, uh, looked at guys like Aaron Rodgers, uh, yeah. assuming he p- comes back from COVID. He's going to be probably, I mean, he already had a chip on his shoulder going into the season. What kind of chip do you think he's going to have on his shoulder at home versus a Seattle secondary that's pretty bad? You so, got Dak Prescott yeah. facing an Atlanta defense. It's actually been pretty good against the pass the last four weeks. Yeah, so, uh, good. <laughs> A.J. Terrell in particular has been, uh, I mean, great cornerback this year. Yeah, I was going to say, A-Rod was the only other person I wrote down, quickly crossed him off, because one, you don't know what's up with the the designation from COVID, but the only reason I put him down was it's a decent matchup, and yeah, you know the chip is, he may be walking a little bit like he's got a broken leg because the chip's going to be so heavy. <laughs> well, who are you staying away from? You know, I don't, I, I don't like to go down too far to say this is my stay-away guy, because it's usually easy to stay away from, you know, I like to, to look at the top guys and Kyler Murray would be an easy one to say to stay away from because you don't know what he's going to do coming back from injury or if he's coming back. And he's playing a Carolina team that's got a pretty good defense. And, you know, Justin Herbert doesn't have a fantastic matchup. you got to worry about Dak after this past weekend. So I'm going to go with a guy that's relied on garbage time in the fourth quarter for much of what he's done on the road against a team that just has played fantastic Shut Dak down. I'm staying away from Jalen Hurts this week. You know, okay, we're two for two. Jalen Hurts is actually my stay away last week, and I'm glad I stayed away from him. You know, like you said, he'd have a good uh, garbage time little run there at the end with Devonta Smith, but he still didn't have a great performance last week. He's been trending the wrong way. I think he has one passing touchdown total over the last three weeks. Uh, it, only three teams have allowed fewer passing touchdowns than Denver. Two of those teams have played one fewer game. So, you know, I, I actually have a feeling that this might be the week that Jalen Hurts gets right out benched if he starts slow. That you know, I don't know if they're going to bench him. That I don't know if they can do, but he, he's definitely somebody that uh, I – look, he's been great in garbage time. But, yeah, this week, and especially in DFS, steer, steering clear. So who's your value play going to be so we can go three for three? Well, I'm going to uh, – for the guys that play on fan ball – uh, Fanball does have Superflex. FanDuel has actually added Superflex as an option, too, for some of their classic formats now. 
Uh, I'm going to double game stack that Washington-Tampa game. <laughs> I'm going to go with Taylor Heineke at 5,400 on DraftKings, 6,900 on FanDuel. The only team to not record multiple quarterback scores against Tampa Bay was a Justin Fields-led Bears team. Tampa Bay is going to be scoring a lot, so Heineke will be forced to throw to keep up in this game. I, I like him a lot to uh, produce two to three touchdowns and close to 300 yards passing. Do you see that? <laughs> yes, I do. We have a match. We are three for three at the quarterback spot. And I thought we really would have to sweep the quarterback spot to truly have a shot at this, and that we just did. So I thought we had a chance at it. My concern <clears throat> is that you may not stack that same game, uh, but I think that Washington's going to have to put some points up, garbage time, et cetera. So, yeah, not a bad start. Not a bad start. So but let's see. I will say this, too. Go ahead. Much like Atlanta, and again, everyone – sees Atlanta on their schedule and assumes that they're a bad pass defense you can pick on them. They said they've been good the last couple weeks. Tampa Bay's pass defense, despite being extremely shorthanded recently, has not given up a lot of passing touchdowns lately. So there is a a hint of warning to that, but I I still kind of like this. I think that this game is going to be higher scoring. I think both these teams can put points on the board. So So. here's the other thing, because since you're talking about Atlanta – um, I don't think most people look at Atlanta and see a good football team, but do you know as of right now, if the season ended, they're in the playoffs. They're in the playoffs. Yes, they are. Playoffs? Yep. <laughs> don't think they'll be there at the end of the season, but they are currently. Anyway, let's go on over to running back and tell me who you are paying up for at the running back spot. Uh, this is another situation where there's uh, there are a few choices to go with here at the pay-up spot. Agree. Uh, and I mean, obviously, we're watching Pittsburgh right now, and Najee Harris is absolutely running crazy over the Bears. So he was on my short list. I, I liked Nick Chubb uh, coming off a big game and, and going to New England. I like Zeke versus Atlanta. Uh, kind of like Austin Eckler versus Minnesota. All it sounds like Minnesota is going to get their uh, run-stuffing uh, defensive tackle back this week. Uh, I actually stayed in that same game, though. I chose Delvin Cook. Whose price is eight thousand on DraftKings, eighty five hundred on FanDuel. Uh, it, it just it looks like a a good thing. Vikings have already said they said after their loss this past week that they pledged to get Delvin Cook even more involved in this offense. Now Minnesota fans might not like that because they prefer to see the offense opened up and not run, run, run. But this is a good week to do it because the Chargers are very good against the pass and very, very, very bad against the run. Over their last four games, they have given up. 583 total rushing yards and nine rushing touchdowns. So we're four for four. I have Cook also. Wow. I, I, I thought you might go Jonathan Taylor there too. No, Taylor's not the one. I wrote two other names down. Taylor wasn't it though. Um, I wrote down Aaron Jones. I just, man, it's at Green Bay. We know Seattle's given up like half mile of offense in games this year. And then I just I was like, but you still don't know what happens if it's Jordan Love. What does the impact of AJ Dillon do? So then I was like, oh, hey there, Najee Harris, how you doing? <laughs> and I was like, you're actually a little bit cheaper than Dalvin Cook, and I like to save money when I'm paying up. But wait a minute, oh, you're like almost a grand more on Fanduel. On Fanduel, yes, so which I'm is just totally gonna... wrong because Najee Harris is making most of his credit on pass catching right yes. now. In which case, he should be cheaper on FanDuel than on DraftKings. Right. So then I went back to Dalvin Cook. I was like, yeah, <coughs> Dalvin Cook, you are the man. So that's who I'm paying up for. 
Okay, well, we might we might tie the the line right here then on the stairway. Uh, I'm going to stay away from Christian McCaffrey. I know he returned last week, and he dominated the number of touches out of the Carolina backfield, and he did top 100 total yards. I, I also know that his salary is south of 10K for the first time in probably two and a half years. Uh, that said, I also know that no team has allowed fewer total scores to opposing running backs than Arizona. Through nine games, they played all nine games right there. They haven't had their buy yet. They have given up only two total scores and only one since week three. Yeah, we match. We have the push right now. Um, I wrote down CMC, then I looked and I went, oh, man, I hate Kamara's matchup too. I don't really like it, but I'm staying away, so I'm going to stay away from the higher-priced guy. So I went back and I circled CMC as my stay away. Well, as an IDP guy, uh, you, you've got to say something about that Tennessee linebacker, uh, Simmons. Man, did he look good. <laughs> so you're talking about their defensive tackle, Jeffrey Simmons. Um, oh, geez. he's a tackle. He's, yes. he's really athletic for a tackle. Yes. Um, <laughs> the, he and um, the, the entire defense, that defensive line, they, you know, they barely blitzed at all last night. They got pressure with their front four. Um, my God. But you want to talk IDP real quick. That, that play by, by um, Anthony Barr in overtime – Oh, my God. The, the Vikings should kick themselves for not winning that game with such a fantastic play to get up in the air the way he did to tip it and then catch it. But he caught it as he was being chop-blocked, in a sense, by the running back who was down around his knees. Like, that's just fantastic play by a guy that's really, I think, underrated as a defensive player. Yeah, obviously. I mean, he missed a lot of last season with injury, so kind of got forgot about a little bit this season going into it, but obviously uh, we here in Minnesota like him. We're glad that he decided to come back here. Uh, a couple of years ago, he had basically signed a contract to go play for the New York Jets. And then like the next day after supposedly signing the contract, it never actually got sent to the league office because he instead decided to sign a contract to return to the Vikings. Uh, so... I think the Vikings fans were obviously glad to have him back. They probably were a little pissed with him not playing most of last year with the Indian, but uh, yeah, he's a very good player, a very athletic player, great linebacker for the Vikings. Okay, so I had a hard time with my value play um, because the guy I wanted to get into my lineup, he was just a little higher priced than what I thought he would be. I almost thought about, let me, I'm going to really mess with Harley and I'm going to say Najee Harris is my value play, right? Um, it could be a value play, but he's not. Um, instead, I went to a guy that I tried to get two of his teammates in my lineup, and I was like, "Well, you know what? This makes it easier for me not to get them in the lineup and go to and and pivot to him instead." Um, I will tell you that I wanted to consider Zach Moss, but he's over five grand. So then I was like, "Well, Devin Singletary's four hundred bucks cheaper, but I don't love the matchup that much that I trust Singletary." But A.J. Dillon is right there, 4,800, 5,300. And Seattle's given up the third most points to the running back position this year. So that's, even without Aaron Rodgers, I think we could see Dillon cash in, even with limited carries this week. So I'm willing to roll the dice and see if I can make some hay with A.J. Dillon. Well, we almost had a match there because I indeed chose Devin Singletary as my value play this week. 4,700 on DraftKings, 6,000 on FanDuel. Uh, coming off of an embarrassing loss to Jacksonville, I fully expect Buffalo to try to right their ship and have a statement game against their divisional mate, the Jets. Zach Moss actually left last week's game with, with a concussion, 
So there's no guarantee that Moss is going to even play in Week 10. Yep. On, on the year, the Jets are allowing, get this, opposing running backs an average of eight receptions per game. Most of that would normally go to Zach Moss. He's more of the pass catcher between the two of them. But Singletary has caught a few passes in his career, so it's not like he's completely incapable of doing that. But here's, here's where it gets even more just juicy. The Jets are allowing 197 combo yards per game to opposing running backs. Just under 200 yards per game to opposing running backs. And two, exactly two total touchdowns per game. 16 touchdowns allowed to the running back position in eight games played by the Jets so far. So what you're saying is big game for Josh Allen. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, you break our streak of five in a row. Um, yeah, it would have been nice to knock it out right there because I'm not sure that we get one more in the next six, quite honestly. <laughs> uh, wide receivers can be really, really tough for us. I mean, maybe to stay away at wide receiver. That might be the only one I think I have a chance at. Uh, that's what I think, too, but there may be a reason why I think that we won't agree with that. Um, who are you paying up for? Uh, I, I'm paying up for... A player that's a little bit cheaper. He's sixth overall price-wise on DraftKings, but he's, uh, I believe, he's fourth overall priced on FanDuel. So I still consider that a pay-up. I go with Chris Godwin as part of my stack in that Washington-Tampa Bay game. Uh, here's the thing: in the three games that Antonio Brown has missed this season, Chris Godwin has 22 receptions, 327 yards, and three total scores. Now, Brown was still in a walking boot as of today, despite the Bucks coming off of their bye week. Now, I will say this with a caveat. Mike Evans is cheaper than Chris Godwin, and he has four touchdowns in those three games that Brown has mitched. So, you know what? If you want to go just full go on this game, you could stack both Brady and Godwin and Evans and just cash the check right now. Very good point. Very good point. And, you know, here's what's another thing that's really interesting. So there is uh, the uh, Washington team. Uh, if you want to think about stacking two wide receivers against them, that's not a bad thought because they have allowed double digit, and they're talking that 10-plus figure in PPR scoring. They've allowed multiple double-digit PPR scoring to teams wide receivers. So two or more in every game except for one. They're blowing up that figure for the wide receivers, 10 points plus. Yeah. I, I didn't love the wide receiver spot, quite honestly. Um, and my payup is a guy that's easy to pivot from. Um, I've been trying to get one of the top guys from this team into my lineup since we started, right? I went to Aaron Rodgers. I said no. I went to Aaron Jones. I said no. I'm going to at least try to get Devontae Adams in and use him. But look. If Rodgers doesn't play, all bets are off. You go. You have to pivot away. Um, in Green Bay, I just if Rodgers comes back, I do. I think that chip is there, um, and I just since I wanted to go Tom Brady the other way, I figured that this at least gets me a part of that game. Okay. Well, this is. I think this is our best chance to break the over here at stay away. <clears throat> My stay away is right near the top of the pricing. Let's stay away from AJ Brown. Tennessee versus New Orleans. In the games that have been started by Marshawn Lattimore, opposing wide receiver ones have scored only twice, and they're averaging only five catches. Now, they are averaging over 70 yards per game, so those five catches that they make do have some yardage, but five catches, 74 yards, and a 0.4% chance of a touchdown. 
is not going to do it. Now, Brown had 11 targets last week, but he only caught five of them because he was dealing with Jalen Ramsey as a shadow most of the game. It's going to be the second week in a row with a ugly assignment out there. There's no Derrick Henry to draw away attention. Julio Jones is a shell of himself. I don't like paying this much for A.J. Brown, no matter what his target share is going to be. So let me say my thought process initially was I took a quick glance at the top three or four, and I went, oh, no, Justin Jefferson. You're not making the starting lineup this week. And I wrote Justin Jefferson down. And then I looked at it a little more with, you know, a a more, you know, private eye, eye look, whatever you want to call it. And I land on A.J. Brown, and I'm like, well, there's no Derrick Henry, so he should get – oh, wait a minute. You know what? That's just the reverse of what it should be. There's no Derrick Henry. That makes it easier to take A.J. Brown out because Julio Jones is doing nothing right now, and I'm not going to bank on Jeff Swaim and Jeremy Nichols to be the ones that make A.J. Brown able to do something. So I landed back to A.J. Brown with you, and we have the over. Yes. And again, I so I, I actually – did something foolish last week, and I faded Justin Jefferson for Adam Thielen in my Vikings-based stack lineups, and that obviously did not work out. Uh, Thielen did catch a touchdown to kind of uh, like numb the pain a little bit, but uh, it, it was one of those things where it's like I should have gone with the theory that, well, it's an LSU receiver. He's going to burn Marlon Humphrey. His Jamar Chase did it, obviously, and now Justin Jefferson did it, too. <laughs> Yep. Okay, let's see. This is probably one that we definitely won't match on, but who are you paying up? I'm sorry, who's your <coughs> value play at wide receiver? Uh, this, this, there's a lot of good options this week. Last week there was really just a very thin line of wide receivers. I like the value play. I mean, I think we both ended, did we both end up settling on Hunter Renfro last week? Um, I can tell you in a second. Last week. If not, I definitely told people to play Hunter Renfro and he scored a touchdown. So that was my that would have been my pick last week, but I, I thought more about it if I didn't array. I had Rashad Bateman last week as my value play. I liked Bateman too, actually. Yeah. Uh, my value play this week is Russell Gage, Atlanta at Dallas. Now we've given Trayvon Diggs credit all season for his ball skills, and no one can ignore the fact that he's an incredible ball skills guy. He can go and pick passes off right and left. That said. The fine folks over at Pro Football Focus, well, you know where they rank him as in cornerbacks right now? I'm afraid to ask. Well, let's see. There's 32 teams, and each team starts probably three cornerbacks for the most part. So that's 96 cornerbacks, right? Yep. Well, Pro Football Focus has Trayvon Diggs ranked as the 101st overall cornerback. <laughs> Yikes. How is that physically possible? Well, uh, again, their their formulas are questioned by some in the media market. But, uh, again, it shows that just because you can pick up a lot of interceptions and score points in an IDP format because that doesn't mean that you're truly a great cornerback. Uh, He's going to be drawing, and he has been drawing all season, an opponent's top wide receiver. And right now with Calvin Ridley, uh, wherever he is, uh, (laughs) Russell Gage is the top receiver for Atlanta. Okay. No, we don't match. Um, so, guy I went to had a good day, good game last week due to a big play, um, and he's a guy that I was actually targeting in a lot of my best ball leagues late in drafts, very late, like last round late. Um, but I landed on. Are you ready? 
trying to find him. Oh, yeah. keep going. Way low. He's sub five grand, um, at least on DraftKings. He has three names: Donovan, People, Peoples, Jones. But I just couldn't. I, I'm. Just, they do a good job of spreading the ball around there. You can see their tight ends have big days. You know Nick Chubb's going to have a big day, right? So I decided I don't know that that's how I want to go. So instead, I went up the list quite a bit, probably to the one, two, three, four, five, I don't know, top ten guy. And I went with Keenan Allen as my value play. Interesting. Minnesota has not given up a lot of wide receiver touchdowns this year, despite the fact that uh, their secondary has been maligned all year. They have not, but they have given up the six most, most fantasy points to the position, and I believe that Allen is underpriced. Now, granted, he did finally leapfrog Mike Williams, <coughs> um, but I believe that he really should be closer to the Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown um, range, closer to that 8,000 range. So I do think that we see him hit three times value plus this week, and I don't think you'll see him in a lot of lineups. Well, let me throw another Mia Culpa out there on the— <laughs> Last week, I was all over Mike Williams. I thought for certain that Darius Slay would be following Keenan Allen because Keenan Allen does do a lot of his uh, lineups in the slot. And obviously, Darius Slay uh, played the slot and started coverage a lot when he was still with Detroit. But that's you could probably speak to it now more now that you're the Philadelphia fan about his coverage now in Philadelphia. But obviously, Keenan Allen was targeted early, often, and more and more and more throughout the game last week. Well, Mike Williams wasn't targeted at all in the first half of the game. Yeah, and no, I'm not going to comment about the Philly defense because it's a joke. Um, but Slay has been one of the bright spots. And the thing is, you just truly never know who they're going to put him on. And that's one of the reasons why I was kind of like trepidatious about either one of those guys because he figured one would eat and one wouldn't. But you really couldn't say what and what how the the Philadelphia Eagles were going to handle that. So yeah, no, but yeah, I, I screwed that up last week, folks. I'm sorry. I, I chose Mike Williams instead of Keenan Allen, and that one's entirely on me. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go to the tight end spot. Let's not <coughs> let's knock two more matches out because we're not getting a match on the on the value play. That's for sure. Okay, uh, who are you paying up for? I'm going to pay up for the guy that's the highest price guy on the list. Um, I'm paying up for Kyle Pitts this week. He gets a Cowboys team that they're not a fantastic matchup. They're a top 12 matchup. Um, but as long as Calvin Ridley's out, he's getting the targets. I think he gets in the end zone at least once this weekend. And I think he sees double-digit targets. So I think you can get three times value from him this week pretty easily. Well, I'm going to pay up for the eighth highest priced guy on DraftKings. That being Noah Font. And we're going to pick on that Philadelphia secondary a little bit here because Philadelphia has allowed the second most receiving yards, the most receptions, and the most receiving touchdowns to the tight end position. Now, Font is scheduled to return from the COVID list as early as today even. Uh, I didn't see him active today at practice, but he should be back by tomorrow. Uh, they're all points, all things were pointing to him playing this week. Uh, plus, his backup, Albert O, re-injured his knee during last week's game. He did come back into the game, but uh, obviously that will take him out of a few snaps. It should mean more snaps for Font, who I really, really like this week. So that's why I did not pay up for, for Font. One, I, that's the first game I looked at that I wanted, right? And I went, okay, but I don't want to have to say Albert's name, first of all. <laughs> Two. Oh, Okwabunam. Yeah, okay. Um, Albert, <laughs> I just put Albert O down too, so. <laughs> Albert, okay. Um, 
And then, like you said, he, he, he tweaked that knee. And then I'm like, well, is Font going to come back? Can you really guarantee and all that kind of And I was like, oh, God, that just makes – you don't have to force anything in DFS, so I'm not going to force it. And that's why I decided I'm going to go for a guy that's getting to be a target hog and starting to show who he really can be. Well, you're not going to have to travel too far down the list to find the guy I'm staying away from. I'm staying away from TJ Hawkinson at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has been absolutely elite against the tight end position. Well, frankly, they've been elite against opposing passing offenses in general. But Detroit doesn't have anyone else for Jared Goff to throw to. So if I'm Pittsburgh, how do you not have all of your defensive secondary concentrating on DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkins? I mean, you could put Minka Fitzpatrick on him and shut him down with just him. But I'd put your top cornerback on him, too. Yeah, no, we have a match. We have a match there. Um, I thought Hawk was an easy stay away from also. Yeah, and realistically, there's problems with a lot of the higher priced tight ends. Yeah. Again, why I said I settled down to Noah Font as the eighth highest priced player on DraftKings and the tight end position. Uh, I, I obviously I didn't like Hawkinson. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier about Atlanta's secondary getting better, so I wasn't 100% sold on Dalton Schultz. I also didn't like the fact that he was only like $700 less than Pitts. Uh, Dallas Goddard is facing that Denver team that we really are out on that game entirely. Both sides, I think, are going to be awful. Yep. Uh, Zach Ertz. Uh, Facing Carolina, we've talked a little bit this week and last week about Carolina's defense, how tight they are. Dawson Knox, we don't know if he's going to be back this week. It sounds like he will be. But even if he is, he's facing that Jets team that is tough to throw against because, again, everyone just runs against them. And, and Rob Gronkowski, who's the uh, seventh-highest price guy, is insane. But we don't know if he's even going to play this week. So it's kind of settled on Font. But I mean, you could you could make an argument if you're going to play Pitts that Noah Font could be your value play in the double tight end lineup. Uh, that's okay. No, thank you. <laughs> I had to get that one in there. All right. So I punted. I, I truly punted <laughs> at the, the value play because I just didn't see anybody I really liked at all. Um, you know, David Njoku caught a tight at, touchdown, but beyond that, he's not really as involved as you'd like to see. <coughs> um, you know, Tyler Conklin, can you trust him against the Chargers? Uh, Jared Cook, you know, just – Jack Doyle's blocking too much. Mo Alley Cox doesn't catch enough. I landed on Dan Arnold, and, and you could talk me out of it without even twisting my arm. So I'm not going to because we have a match. Oh. <laughs> Over the last four games, Dan Arnold leads the Jaguars in receptions and receiving yards, and he trails only former cornerback Jamal Agnew in terms of targets. Meanwhile, over their last four games, Indianapolis has allowed the second most receptions, the second most receiving TDs, and the third most receiving yards to the tight end position. And now here's the thing. They gave up all those yards despite facing such luminaries as Jordan Aikens, Charlie Werner, Jeff Swaim, and Ryan Griffin. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess I didn't punt, but I, yeah, look, I was just, I, I just, I don't know. Yeah. Hey, the, 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 the punt, value at tight end this week is not good it, it really there's a lot of just again you're, you're really stretching I mean Mercedes Lewis didn't do anything with uh, Jordan Love at the helm but maybe he gets better with Aaron Rodgers returning uh, Tommy Sweeney would be in play if we knew for certain that uh, that Dawson Knox wasn't playing uh, you talked a little bit about Tyler Conklin going against Chargers Chargers been bad against tight end this year but yeah, I just I kept looking down further and just not don't like, don't like, don't yeah. like, don't care for, don't care for, uh, injured, partially injured, may catch one pass, 
And I settled on Dan Arnold. <laughs> and and the, other, the other thing about Dan Arnold, too, is it's not like any of the other wide receivers on Jacksonville have really stepped up to say, I'm the alpha, so there isn't enough to go around. Exactly. Again, when, when you're only being out-targeted by a former cornerback, there's something wrong with your offense in general. But Dan Arnold, uh, well, and here's another thing to look at. You know, Carolina, since they traded Dan Arnold, I don't think they've won a game. Oh, boy, the Dan Arnold jinx. The jinx of Dan Arnold. <laughs> Darnold, Darnold, Dan Arnold. They should have kept him. They kept the wrong Darnold. Exactly. <laughs> All right, my man. Um, yeah, that's hard to believe. We got five, six, seven, eight matches. I never wow. in a million years would have expected <laughs> that we'd have had eight out of 12 matches. Um, but that's where On we're this at. slate in particular. Yeah, exactly. A couple teams on buys, the Thursday teams, all that kind of stuff. But yes. So anyway, good week. Um, do yourself a favor. Don't double tight end. Um, triple no, tight end. Don't triple tight end. <laughs> Definitely don't triple tight end. Not this week. Um, do not go Pitts, Darnold, and somebody else. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Um, but what you should do is follow Harley on Twitter at Nuclear Harley. Follow me at Steve Gallo NFL. Join the huddle if you haven't broken the wallet out and done so yet so that you can see all the other content that we have there that will help you to win your fantasy league. And as always, no, don't get blitzed, don't get blitzed responsibly yet. As always, don't double tight end. Then get blitzed responsibly. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>